Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search for the most interesting and challenging people we can find who are going to talk with us and give us ideas and thoughts that, well, may challenge our own thinking. And it's not often we you know, can talk to people about SEALs and SEAL teams. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, the FBI, head injuries, TBI, um, all kinds of fascinating things came out in this, this really brief discussion. And yet it's all about leadership. So if you want to know a little bit about leadership and the relationship to that and SEALs, listen to our guest, who is Errol Dobler. Nice to talk with you, Errol. First off, I want to say um, small challenges kind of shape our days, right? So uh, the massive uh, problem that we just had about a minute ago, do you, want to, <laughs> do you want to kind of break that down for our listeners? Well, I, I will. I will. And look, when it comes to leadership, we have to understand our limitations and how we move forward through them. So when I get on the podcast with you and Randy and my microphone's not working, I have to recognize that there's an on-off button to hit, and I need to hit the on button so you can actually hear me. So we were a little delayed, but I got it figured out. <laughs> nice. I love that start. So so in the middle of, of, of COVID, in the middle of this time, you rolled out some training and some education, and you're working with people on pivoting. So I kind of want to dive in with the pivot. Uh, yeah, how do you sure. see this, this time? and how we're, I guess, swinging around the sort of planetary gravity pull of the COVID uh, time here. How, how are things going to change in the near future? Well, it's a, it's a good question. It's a complex question, obviously, right? Because it's, it's a little different for everybody. But here's where COVID and that whole thing helped the people I work with and validated kind of if I didn't already have my process validated it certainly was validated in COVID. And, but mostly to my clients, it was, look, if you're doing things right now markedly different from a leadership perspective than you were doing before, then there's a problem anyway, okay? Because if we're doing leadership correctly, in my view, right, the same principles we apply, if you apply them during the good times, then that's when you rocket to the moon. When you apply them during the bad times, that's when you're one of the ones that survives. So a lot of the companies that I was working with, we went through, what are we doing as far as it represents uh, you know, what I call the Leader 193 way? Are we still doing it? What small adjustments do we need to make? But how do we feel? The companies that were doing it, we're buying it, we're like, we're, we're pretty good. We think we're going to be fine and we're going to keep going on this path, right? Because we believe this is the path that will sustain us. The companies that started to kind of panic, just do things completely differently, right? That's when we had to pull them back and say, no, 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 trust your leadership process. Trust the things that we've worked on before this, okay? Trust that they'll work now because this is these are the people who are in the companies who are going to make it. So the pivots were very different in my mind from a leadership perspective. Organizations' responses 
were different. Some were very calm, trusting how they were doing business. Some felt like, no, something's got to change, right? We've got to do something differently. And again, anything that was done differently were small adjustments made inside of the process that they were already following. So there wasn't market uh, very marketable changes. If is that make sense? Am I answering the question? <laughs> yeah. When I when you throw questions like that, what what do we hear from somebody else? Like if you get vague questions, you get vague answers. <laughs> if you have big questions, you get big answers. So I think the it had the spirit of the question itself in it. So I I kind of want to dive immediately from that into almost your origin story. I'm you know as most of the world is obsessed with seals because they're nice animals. No, I'm just <laughs> The other ones. The other ones. <laughs> um, but seals, I mean, we've heard so many stories about them. Like the, for me, the one that gets me is the, num- the amount of holding your breath. <laughs> you, is it three or four minutes you got to hold your breath? So that's a super important question. Yeah. I wanted well, to go there. It, it depends. I mean, there's certain things that you need to do underwater that will require you to keep your breath held. Now, the faster you get them done, you know, you don't have to stay stay under as much. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, just in training itself, the, the BUDS training, a 50-meter underwater swim, I don't even know how long it takes to hold your breath for that, but you have to do it. A series of knot tyings under the water, right? Faster you can tie your knot on a breath hold, you don't have to spend as much time. Again, I, we, I just never really timed it. And then, of course, learning if your diving rig goes down to that's when that's why you go through all of this. If you're on an actual operation and you're under a ship doing whatever you're supposed to be doing and all of a sudden your rig goes down and you don't have any air, the presence of mind to remain calm and trust the fact that I've probably got about three minutes okay, before I'm in real big trouble. So, yeah, the breath holds it's never a timed event. It's just you knew you needed to be good at those breath holds so you could remain calm and do the work that you needed to do. We would practice them. I would practice them. Uh, you know, you'd have to run everywhere you go in Bud's training, right? So the 50-meter underwater swim, when that starts to come up, obviously everybody's scared about your ability to hold your breath. So I just, as we were running from place to place, I just was always holding my breath. So that's how I just was practicing. I was like, I am just constantly going to be holding my breath. And that's it. When I'm exercising, when I'm running, I'm on a full breath hold all the time. So that's how I got through it and got comfortable with it. Some other guys did some other things. But yeah, that, that's the breath hold. So I'm going to connect those two things together and see how you can swim with this. And it's the, we're in a pivot point. We're coming out of COVID, which was a, it's kind of a breath you know, it was scary to see that it's all about the breath, that first, yep. the lungs. But also, it's that challenge, right? Are you Were you prepared? Did you hold your breath? Were you ready? Right. And I love that concept of, um, well, sure, three, four minutes. Or if you get done quicker, that's great. That's that's better. Yep. So it's, it's almost like, are you prepared? Then, okay, let's dive in. If you're not prepared, did you survive it? Did you make it through? But how would you tie that? No, well, you're exactly right. It's kind of the same. It's the same concept towards how we opened this, right? What it, what was the pivot on COVID? And all I could do is speak from my clients and, and my own personal business perspective. How are you doing? Were you doing business the right way out of the gate? Were you being disciplined in your principles? Were you identifying the things 
specifically that we're going to hold people accountable to. Was your planning process unemotional and methodical? Okay, if you were doing those things, you were going to be fine when things went bad. Just like if you're doing all the things you need to do to learn to hold your breath and learn to remain calm, you practice those things so when the real thing happens, you're on an operation, you're under a ship, and now you have no breath, you've, you've been there before. Okay, so again, look, it's cliche, but the preparation in what we do is everything, and it always is the thing that guides us during the hard times. Anybody, everybody was making money prior to March of 2020, right? The economy was as good as it had ever been. So you could be not doing things just so and still be making money. But I promise you, when that tragedy hit and the world went upside down and the craziness happened, that way of doing business wasn't going wasn't gonna to survive. So just like if you were cheating your way or somehow taking shortcuts in buds, eventually they would find you and recognize you've been taking shortcuts. Now how are you going to handle this? And now you're in trouble. So Errol, I'm thinking about you know, your clients. They've all got different financial models. They've all got different leadership styles. They've all got different products. And yep. the last year has forced them to re-examine their leadership skills. And as you say, if they were doing it right, they continue doing it right. That's right. Have you had many that have had to reevaluate their their financial model because a lot of things have changed? Yeah. And how do they go about doing it? Yeah. That? So, it, you know, here's what I do, Randy. I, I'm very careful to stay in my lane of leadership. And what do I mean by that? I make sure a company knows that I'm not going to tell them about their widget, right? I'm not going to say, you know, you should really tell people this part about your widget because that's not where I am. That's not my expertise. That's not what they're hiring me for. Same with financial models, okay? Hey, you should really scale back, you know, where you're putting your money into this or you should focus on that. That is not what they hire me for. But the good news is when we follow a leadership process, when we do leadership, how I think leadership should be done, we'll end up talking about that number, okay? And from my perspective, it will always come down to, do you have your priorities set? And do you have your plan around those priorities? Okay. And if you have a plan around those priorities, you're going to know if you can execute X number of priorities simultaneously. And that's really, and I know you, you both know this, that's one of the big challenges for a company. We've got 15 different things we're going to accomplish this year. Great. Get ready to accomplish none of them. Okay. Now, that ultimately will hit your bottom line, and there's a financial conversation around it. But from a leadership perspective, I can stay in my lane and I say, okay, fine. If you've established your priorities, show me your plan, and I'll walk them through a good, what I think is a planning process. And then I'll say, now you tell me, do you have the time and the resources to do all of these? Okay. And if the answer is yes, and we can articulate it and explain it, then if you do these things, will that hit your financial number? The answer is yes, then we're all good. We've got a very methodical approach to understanding that. Nine times out of 10, it's the other way. Well, no, we can't do all of them, but we'll, you know, we'll dive in each, you know, and, you know, and then that's where I come in from a leadership perspective. So yeah, indirectly, we're hitting those financial models, but I, I'm very, 
I'm very careful to stay in my lane. But the beauty is leadership addresses that anyway. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And the whole, you know, we've got 15 ideas. You're never going to, to meet them. Um, I'm a big believer in, in serial entrepreneurship rather than parallel. I think, uh, I think you should be focusing on one thing, getting that right, and focusing on the next. I, look, I, I agree. Uh, I agree 100%. And so, look, I use my background to validate my model, okay? My leadership model comes from SEAL teams. It comes from FBI. I was a, uh, an international terrorism investigator. I was on the SWAT team. The point I'm making is in these areas, if we don't do things correctly, we have, from a leadership perspective, we have one of three outcomes. We have mission failure, we have injury, or we have death, all three of which are unacceptable. The concept around these leadership things are very simple and they're applicable everywhere. One of them is behaviors. What things are we behaving? You know, what are our behaviors and what are we going to establish? And prioritization is a massive one, okay? And to that point, what are the one or two things that we do excellent? And if we do these one or two things excellent, there's going to be a cascading effect on other things that will go well. But to your point, Randy, we've got to keep that focus, right? For me at Leader193, I have my process. I deliver that message perfectly. Now, the venues in which I do it change. We can do it in person. We can do it virtually. We can do it over an eight-week course. We can do a three-day seminar. We can do it a lot of different ways. But all I focus on is making sure, is my message sound? Is it simple to understand? And is it simple to execute? So I agree with you 100% on those one or two things. Now, I have a, a well, a curiosity-type question. Leader 193 sounds really good. What does the 193 represent? 193 is my Navy SEAL Hell Week class, training oh, class. Oh, nice. So it's just kind of paying homage to that time in my life. It's so much of what I, I left the SEAL teams early because I, I got injured. I had, had every intention of spending my career as a Navy SEAL, but it wasn't meant to be. But so much of what I learned about myself, about leadership, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly kind of came from there, you know? And uh, so I just, it's something I want to hold on to. And that's that's how I came up with the name. So I'll, I'll, let me go um, kind of on the, usually I dive into the sort of the creative stuff right away, but I'm I'm curious in terms of the heart of things, a couple a couple points. One is, I'm sure you, you had many near-death experiences, including, you know, getting injured and so forth. Do you feel like, your brain changed as a result of kind of trauma or, uh, you know, did, did you become more compassionate? Did you open up? Did you, did you, did your life change yeah. in any way? So it's a, it's, it's a timely question and I, I know what you mean, but I'm going to pivot a little bit. I was, I had two massive head injuries in the SEAL teams, both operational injuries, both falls. And back then, you know, we didn't wear the gear that they have now, which is the gear they have now is, is good. It's it's better. I took a 30-foot header from the top of a ladder, from climbing from one boat to another, you know, wham. And then another operation, we were going from 
room to room and I went through a door and there's no floor and bam, 10, 10 feet on my head. Back then, you know, they patched it up and sent you back out. That's, I got out of the SEAL teams in 1999. I just recently met a gentleman named Dr. John Hughes, who specializes in traumatic brain injury. Now, I know this wasn't where your question was going, but it is applicable. So if you bear with me, and I was just at a dinner party and we met and he was talking about the work he was doing with TBI. And I, as a matter of conversation, shared with him my stories. And he just asked some very general questions. Oh, you know, has, do you think that impacted you? And very oblique questions. Yeah, how do you sleep? And I, you know, I said, God, I haven't had a good night's sleep in 20 years, you know, and, and uh, what are your challenges these days? And, you know, I said, I, I struggle with emotional control. I, 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 I struggle with that, right? I work very hard on understanding my emotions. And so he very casually asked me to go in for a brain scan. And it was kind of one of those things where you meet somebody at a dinner party and you're saying goodbye and they say, let's get together again for dinner. And everybody says, yeah, <laughs> nobody scan. means, but yeah. a doctor says, let's get together for a brain scan. Now, I didn't think he actually meant it, but he called. The point I'm making is, he said, well, all right, here's, look at your brain. You see this blue? And there's a lot of blue. He said, this is the part of your brain that is responsible for processing emotions and it's dormant. So your struggles that you described to me, here's where they're coming from. Your inability to sleep or your need to nap during the day, no matter what you've done, comes from your brain working overtime to compensate for these things. So there's a lot of other things with my brain that he pointed out. He said, but this red area is, that means you're in alpha state and alpha state's the optimal state for your brain to be in. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. He goes, but no, you don't understand. It's not consistent. Somebody with all this blue shouldn't have this. And uh, he says, see these waves? It's your kind of heart and brain wave. They're in perfect sync. I said, yeah. He said, that's not consistent either. So what I'm seeing doesn't make a lot of sense. He said, all the work you've done on yourself over the years without even knowing it. I'm a big, I'm a Wim Hof practitioner, instructor, breathing, cold exposure, mindset, mindfulness. He said, that's basically saved your life. He said, otherwise you would have gone into a very dark place and you would have been one of those stories of, of, of you know, soldiers committing suicide based on these invisible injuries. Maybe I squeezed a, a square peg into a round hole with that question, Kent, but I feel like it's very important. But the, the point I'm making is the things that I went through had a massive impact on me without me even knowing it. And maybe I was just completely lucky to be able to say, gosh, after all these injuries, why do I act this way sometimes? Why do I, why do I achieve some success and then all of a sudden decide it needs to be sabotage, right? Self-sabotage and things like that. Why am I overreacting to this very simple thing? And why am I underreacting to this very major thing? And it was that mindfulness and the way I approached just those things that were happening to me. Now, the good news is he's got a holistic, natural remedy to help people with TBI. 
non-pharmaceutical. It deals with it deals with stem cells and insulin, everything natural. And we took a second scan of my brain months later, and he said, "I have never seen anything like this." And they, the brain scans are amazing. He said, "Look here, how this part of your brain is working on this voltage on the first scan, and how it's 10x here." And look at it here and here and here and see how the blue has disappeared here. And look at the reaction time. It's, you know, again, I think I've done a square peg in a round hole kind of answering the question I've wanted to answer. But I think it's such a great message around mindfulness. What do we learn? How do we use what we've learned to help ourselves? And then with Dr. Hughes, he said, you know, after that first brain scan, after he said, you've saved your own life. He said, let me help you now. Let me help you get better. And my response was, you know, John, there's young guys out there, guys and gals. Let's help them. Okay. I'm I'm 53 years old. My time has come and gone. I'm going to be okay. And he said, but wouldn't you just like to feel better? And I said, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I would. <laughs> so again, a long story. I've kind of dominated a little bit of that, but that's hopefully I've answered some of your question and then maybe brought up an interesting topic. I think that's really interesting, Errol, the whole wouldn't you like to feel better because that's the same when you're doing your leadership thing. Isn't that what you're asking your clients? Wouldn't you like to feel better? Wouldn't you just like to be a little better? Wouldn't you like the things just to be a little bit easier? Wouldn't you like it to make a little more sense? 100%. And you know, Randy, I've never actually said that to them. <laughs> but <laughs> There we go. There I think go. I've got one of my closing, you know, when I'm doing my sales pitch, I, I think I've got now a new a new closer. Yeah. It just, just strikes me as it, it just fits. Um, it does. And yeah. Very good. So amazing stories, and we've just scratched the surface here, but we, we like to keep these interviews pretty short and punchy. So you just you just put a book out. You've, you're, you're a Wim Hof uh expert and trainer you do workshops you do all kinds of stuff where can people find you and who should find you well the who should find me is a great question the beauty of what i do leadership consulting is it is truly applicable everywhere okay you know again and and i know you both will say look you can't say my products for everybody you got to pick your target market which i do from a business standpoint uh but that being said I have people reach out to me and it is the individual who is literally starting a pizza place to a Fortune 100 company and everywhere in between to the leader of, of a company or if we're looking to create a bench, so to speak. Let's get our young people through and get them to understand. So those are the people. If there's any interest there, and quite frankly, the people I work with, if it's nine out of ten, you know, that's what it is. Say, this is great for my business, but how it's helped me on a personal level has really mattered most. So that's who, okay? Basically, anybody who cares about leadership. Where can they find me? All the standard places. My website is leader193.com. It's fairly comprehensive. I'm on Instagram at leader193 and Facebook at leader193. And that's where we, you know, present ourselves in, the, in that social media fashion. Uh, so as a last kind of statement, sort of from underneath a ship or from kind of with guys 
and and in a you know freezing cold water to you and the brain scan and, and getting back to to wh whatever it is what's your what's your hope for individuals you know where they are now and where they could be yeah my hope for individuals and and that's a that's a fantastic question is is to have more awareness around the things that drive them to act the way they do that is what i focus everything on and it starts with emotions so my leadership process is very internal initially like most people's are but just such a focus on on the emotions and what they're driving you to do once we have that awareness the rest can become fairly methodical right it can be it can be less stressful because if we're just not aware that we're acting out of some form of insecurity or anger or fear well then we're just going to be acting randomly and our results are going to be random but when we understand that then we can make true adjustments to the decisions we make going forward. You know, you guys, I, you know, obviously I've, I've, I've looked at what you're doing and you say thing, right? It's, it's about the impact, right? It's not about the money. And I, I, I say the same thing for my own business and to have true impact in what I'm doing. It's my job to create that awareness in the people who, who trust, you know, their leadership development to me. So I think that's what the, 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 the one message, if I could leave everybody, that's what it would be. Uh oh, we th I think I lost you, Kent. Whoops, I was. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> I'm never the on a off muted kind of person, but now, <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, Randy is always saying. It's the new, um, it's the new phrase of the year: is Are you muted? <laughs> yeah. So don't be, don't be muted. Go check out Leader One Nine Three. Really amazing story. Um, thank you for being so open with us, Kent and Randy. I appreciate it. It's good to see you. Thank you, Errol. I love the way you connected holding your breath to leadership and, and how you need to prepare. And it's all in the preparation. It's all in the, the following the system, believing in the system and knowing that it works. Yeah, and it was, it was really special. It's funny how uh, kind of humble uh, Errol is uh, as he's talking to us. He's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going the right direction, but Errol, you certainly did. I think it's, it's beautiful to hear your story and the, the, the blue zones in your brain, the, the talk around TBI, the, such a strange um, part of the medical world that, that we're just starting to, to understand and see. So if you want to understand and see a little bit more about Dr. Kent and myself, and indeed our other partner, Jessica, please go to thoughtpartnergroup.com read all about us there and you can click on the little um, icon to the top right hand corner of the site and there's a free assessment you can fill out it takes you about a minute we'll spend a yeah. minute and send you a response which is you know about about the amount of time i can hold my breath i think i'm gonna hold my breath for a minute so you know you could try that too hold your breath while you're taking the assessment or right before right after and uh we won't hold our breath we'll we'll get back to you uh, with our response uh, within a couple of days, and we'd love to hear from you. So, Kent, I was at uh, Orange Theory this morning, plug for Orange Theory, who is not paying for it, but I did a 200-meter uh, a row, and I almost did it in 30 seconds. Um, I'm pretty sure that I was holding my breath for half of that, and it totally destroyed me, so uh, it was crazy. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I go to a place called uh, Theoretical Orange, 
<laughs> the place actually doesn't exist because it's theoretical. But uh, anyway, sorry, bad joke. Uh, and uh, if you want to subscribe, please do. Uh, we'll be talking to amazing people like Errol, you know, twice a week. Uh, we'd love to see you here. So bye for now. Talk to you soon.